When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Before I say hello to my first guest today, if there are little ears listening to the radio now, perhaps it's time to uh, move away from us just for the next while, up to two o'clock, if you don't want little ears to hear what we're talking about. So just to give you the opportunity to do that at this point in time. Before we begin our first interview, welcome again to the show. If you want to get in touch with us this afternoon, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets directly to me in the studio here on Late Lunch. My first guest today is a writer and psychotherapist specialising in sexual trauma and she's wrote, uh, she's written a memoir recently called Annie Girl and it's about her experiences in the Irish sex industry. I'm delighted to say hello on Late Lunch today to Mia Doring. Hello Mia. Thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. I'm sure you're tired at this stage since the book came out doing the round of interviews with everybody. And I understand that for sure. But can I begin by asking you, you've written previously anonymously in in this area and about this. Why did you decide to go the whole hog here and write this book? Yeah, well, it just wasn't cutting it for me to be anonymous. I wasn't able to be free. And I wasn't able to have the reach I wanted to have um, to talk to as many people as I wanted to talk to if I was anonymous. And also, if you're anonymous, it's kind of like you're saying, I've got something to hide and I don't have anything to hide and I have nothing to be ashamed of. So by putting my name on it, I'm kind of like getting rid of the shame in a way. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it makes sense entirely. I have to say it's a graphic book. You describe in detail your time when men abused and exploited you and uh, you were young at the time in your late teens into your early 20s. How did you slip into that world? Well, I I was raped when I was 16 and that left me in a very uh, vulnerable, very lonely kind of place. And what rape does for a lot of people is that it can it can make you feel as if your sexuality has no worth whatsoever. Um, and then a man came into my life about within the year after it happened. An older man came into my life and he gave me a lot of attention. He was about in his 30s. Um, he gave me an awful lot of attention. There was a lot of texting. Um, eventually we met. 
and I won't go into everything that happened, but when I was leaving, he handed me two 50 pound notes. And um, for me, that made what had come before sort of okay. It was like, well, I got paid for it. I've been compensated. And it gave, well, crucially what it did was that it made, it symbolized my sexuality having worth and having value and being seen as valuable in the eyes of another person, which is what I unconsciously really wanted. Um, so then I kept meeting him because I kept, I wanted that. I wanted to hold the money and know I'm worth something. My sexuality is worth something. And um, having the attention made me feel like I was worth something as well. So that went on for a few years. And um, eventually I got rid of him. Um, and then I, I can't remember what happened. I must have put an ad online. I must have thought about it, but I don't remember any of that time. I do remember one day, I was about 20 or 21, getting a lot of phone calls, like many, many, many phone calls. I remember that day, but I have no memory of what came before, how I did it. Um, but I must have gone on and done it because after I got rid of the man, this guy I called Jay in the book, um, I still, like, I didn't want him around anymore because he wasn't a very nice person. Mm. Um, but I, I wanted to keep getting that sense of validation and that sense that I was worth something that came with the money being given in that transactional way, do you know? So there was big money involved here. In the book, you say you could, what, get 250 euro an hour easily, probably more? It would be two, yeah. That was what it was back then. It was uh, 250 an hour, 150, half an hour. Money that you couldn't get anywhere else. Was it was the money, you mentioned validation there a couple of times. Was it the combination of both or was the money important too, that you had lots of money? No, it, the money didn't matter to me at all. I was um, absolutely not in it for the money. Like back then, my I think my thought process would have been, I'd like to keep getting money. Do you know? I think that's all it was. Mm. And because I didn't regard my sexuality with any sort of worth, I didn't think any further than, oh yeah, it was cheap for me. You know, my sexuality was cheap for me. I could just sell it, fine. Um, and I think I think back then my thought process was like, I'd, I'd like to keep getting the money. Um, unconsciously was this drive to want that that validation, that those hit of self-worth. Mm. Um, that I got from from exchanging money for sex like that. You were at college. Yeah. Art, you were at college, art college as well, studying away. There were other possibilities in your life. You had a home that you went to after you were involved in this. Did anybody know close to you what you were doing? No, nobody knew. Nobody knew what was going on. So on some level, I, I knew. I, on one level, I was thinking, this is fine. This is fine for me to do this. This is no problem. Mm. Me and the punters, the men, were on the same page. Um, this is no problem. This is only shady and secret because society isn't able to deal with it, you know, this kind of thing. And on another level, I knew it wasn't okay because otherwise I would have told people what I was doing. Yeah. These men, and and uh, this is happening, I'm sure, today as we speak in, in, in Ireland, uh, all around the country. These men, you, you say in their 40s and 50s, men with money, assured men who felt they were entitled with families, uh, peers of society. You're talking about this type of man that paid you for sex. Yeah, like the whole spectrum of humanity. You know, all ages, but the vast majority were in their 40s and 50s. And it's very difficult for me now, I'm in my late 30s, to comprehend wanting to have sex with somebody so much younger than me. Like even just consensually without money being involved or anything. Mm. Um, like I find that bizarre. Um, but yeah, they were they were in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, happy out doing that. 
the, the the episodes you describe in the book, some of them, honestly, for me, the, the, the hair stood in the back of my neck. I have to be honest with you, reading them and, and the situations you found yourself in and the the violence at times and, and going to the brink of not being able to catch your breath and, you know, being hurt and shocking stuff. Yeah, like it's, it's mad because my, my remit I gave myself in writing the book was to tell the truth. So I just wanted to lay it out very starkly, very bare. I didn't want to uh, gloss over anything. I also didn't want to be kind of sensationalist or, you know, gratuitous. Um, but I wanted to tell the truth of what happened. I took out a lot of stories that were necessary because I had already t- told a certain thing in a certain way. There's no need to keep telling it. Um, but yeah, and it, it wasn't all violent. It wasn't all terrible. Um, these guys are ordinary men. A lot of them were grand, you know, they were, it doesn't make what they were doing okay, but they were okay people, you know, they weren't all psychopaths. Um, They were people we all know, like the sex trade we think is like, oh, this shady thing in the the dark of the darkness of society. But like, we all know men who do this, they're in our lives. One in 15 men do. So it isn't, um, it's much more infiltrated into our daily lives than, than we think it is. Um, But yeah, like a a lot of, it's weird because now I'm kind of, people responding like you just there I'm like oh yeah that was that was really bad what happened there you know I can't believe that actually happened to me it's only years later you kind of go wow because in when you're in it it's kind of normal Mm. you're like this is what I have to do and this is what they're like and I have to be how they want me to be and I have to do what they want me to do and um it's normal it's just it's just it's the job um, but now I'm like, God, that was bananas. That was crazy. Mm. What what were like? My my oh my! It certainly was. And to read it is, it's it, it. There's shock. There's real shock in this book. At 24, uh, you decided I'm out of here, and you start the book with the final episode of the final punter you you, you serviced, and after that, it, it just sort of dawned on you. It seems that I, I I want out of this. What was it that moment that said to you, No, no, I'm, I, I have to finish with this. You know, I think it was a combination of things. And then what happened with that man was like a tipping point. So as I was growing older and making friends and gaining confidence in other areas of my life, and I have to say like this part of my life was a tiny little strand. And the rest of my life, when I look back at that time, I think of art college and my friends and all the work I was making and everything. And this was a tiny strand going on in the background, but so devastating, so insidious. Um, But yeah, sorry to get back to what you were saying. Um, As I was growing up, I was kind of gaining confidence and... um, having good relationships with people, good friendships. And I think it was like a dawning realization that my self-worth didn't have to come from this, that my sexuality could be valued in healthy relationships um, with men. And so it was kind of a, it was like a fizzling out that already happened. But then when I went out to this guy, um, he was incredibly violent. And um, I would say he's psychopathic, how he treated me. Um, he was very violent. He was aggressive. He didn't really speak. It was, um, he tried to rape me. It was, um, an intense, an intense time. And as I left that apartment, I was in my car and, um, I, I, something clicked inside me that said like, this is, this is the ending, this one. That was it then. No more after that. That was the that was the the final trick, if you like. I don't like to call it that, but that was the final time you were with somebody yeah. and paid for it. Mia, you headed to Berlin. Then was that on purpose to, to get out of the situation you were in here in Ireland? 
I think um, I think it unconsciously probably was um, a, a desire to get away. Yeah, for sure. I and think, I didn't think about it like that. But yeah, yeah, and it, it took you, uh, and, and it was a good move. I have to say, uh, when you're uh, when you're into something like this and you want to get your life back on track and away from it altogether, what about? I wanted to ask you this. You said nobody in your family knew when you were involved in this business. What about when you started to write about it and the book came out? How did that go down with family? Um, it was kind of an incremental situation where I had to keep coming back to what feels right for me just now because I kept getting sucked into what would be best for the others and what would they what do they need and how can I look after them and how can I make this as easy as possible for them and I had to keep coming back to like this is about you and you've got to look after yourself and you've got to do what's right for you and only reveal as much as you feel comfortable with in any given moment that you don't owe anybody any anything just because they want to hear the whole story or whatever and um, not that anybody was putting me under pressure to do that or anything um but I yeah I wrote the book and then I said to myself I'm going to get a book deal and then as soon as I've signed the contract then I will have to, I'll tell them but I'm going to wait till then because if they are very upset or something like that I might feel like pulling back from publishing the book so because I'm, I get so zoned into how other people are feeling or thinking about things how comfortable they are with everything. Um, so I knew I had to do that. So I did that. And then I um, I wrote a letter to each of my parents and I, I told them, uh, they were my main people I, I was really concerned about, mm. you know, because they had no idea any of this happened. They knew I was raped, but they didn't know about anything else at all. So um, I wrote them a letter with kind of a vague sort of outline without getting into details because that's all I was comfortable with at the time with revealing. And then kind of that was, would have been like last year, um, you know, this time last year-ish. And then incrementally then over the summer and then coming up to the book release, kind of talking to them more here and there. And then they both read the book, which I thought was amazing. Like I wasn't expecting that. Um, me and my mom went back and forth a little bit on, you know her reading it or not and then she decided she did want to so that was fine with me and my dad read it and like that sometimes it feels really like horrific that they read it that they've read the certain things you know that you were kind of saying were really mm. hard to read um but on another thing on another way if they hadn't read it i think i'd still probably feel like not as free as i as i do yes you know, yes like yes it's okay. It's, okay. it's okay to tell these stories you know it's okay mm. but we, mm. we only learned that by doing it you know the, the, this industry, this sordid industry in this country that uh, lies beneath the surface, but as you said, it is uh, not that uh, dark or on the dark side either. Um, you do know that we enacted the Criminal Law Sexual Offences Act in 2017 that criminalises the purchaser of sex, not those providing. You support that? Yeah, I do, yeah. And, and, and you know... <sighs> There's other people would say, well, you know, you, you mentioned the money yourself and, and how it was a validation for you. There, should there be some blame on the other side? Do you think not at all? Um, well, it's not about it's not about blame. It's just about um, equality. So mostly impoverished or trafficked or coerced or otherwise criminally run um, very vulnerable women are involved in the sex trade. The yes. vast majority... The vast majority of the men are middle class, middle aged, married, with money. They're in the position of power, mm. exploiting these women in the in general, vast general terms, right? Um, so it's equ- it makes sense that we're criminalizing the men who exploit the women and we're not 
criminalizing the women who are being exploited. Yes, yes. No, look, I, I see absolutely where you're coming from. I just put the other side where people, I'm sure you've had this argued to you in the past and you'll see the arguments about it as well. But there are so many girls and women are just living in fear and they have no way out of this. That's two two aspects just I wanted to put to you. Where is the... Uh, or what is the best way to tackle this? Could there have been a way that you might not have gone down this road? Yeah, if the man hadn't exploited me, um, I wouldn't have gone down this route. If he hadn't done what he did and given me money, I wouldn't. There's no way I would have ended up in the sex trade. There's just no way. So again, it points to the purchaser and the people who pimp women and that whole area. Yeah, yeah. That is the area that that really does need uh, to be taken on and and, and dealt with. Um, For yourself on a personal basis, I know you have a lovely Jack Russell called Missy that you love and loves you unconditionally. But you know what I'm going to ask you, you know, beyond when you left this, what about you and your relationships? Have you had relationships? Yeah, when I moved to Berlin, I met somebody really great and had a lovely relationship with him. I really did. And it really was um, being shown love in the way he did really showed me my own, uh, I don't want to say worth again, but it really showed me that that I'm more than what had gone on. And mm. that actually none of it had to happen. So being in Berlin was really great, but also it was where I had distance from what happened to me. I had this person showing me love. And I realized, oh, my God, none of this should have happened to me. It's all bad because I was still in this thing of like, oh, it's grand what happened. I just need to leave. And it just wasn't for me or whatever. And then when I moved away, I was like, oh, my God, no, that this is all terrible. None of this should happen. This shouldn't happen to any woman. Yes. Um, no matter what's going on. And men shouldn't be doing this. Did you tell him? Yeah, he was the first person I told. OK, and, and, and it's out in the open now for forever, no, ma- no matter what happens down the, the road for you. Has it left its mark? Has it affected you? Will you always carry it with you? Or can you leave it in the past and for good in the past? I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing how it goes because, you know, what, what trauma stories need to be told over and over again. Um, so by doing my book, by telling my story... Um, that frees me from the past. It frees me from feeling like I'm carrying something around. And I don't, I don't know what's going to come next. I don't know. It's been a very heavy burden over the last 10 years or so. Um, and it does feel lighter now. It feels like I want to move on. I want to do something else. I want to write a different book. You know, I'm like, mm. I'm already feeling like I want to step beyond um, being so focused on the sex trade all the time. Mm. Um, so that's good. But it's kind of hard to tell. I don't know. Yes. I think trauma sticks around. You know, it doesn't, mm. it comes and goes. It's like grief. It's like losing somebody very close to you. You kind of, it gets easier to carry. You carry it lighter. And then someday you might see somebody who looks exactly like your dad and you're devastated again. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Do you know? You just yes. learn how to carry it like lighter. Yes, yes. You, you, you cope and you, you bring it with you and you understand where you've been and where you are. Now, I have to say, you know the saying, uh, talk the talk and walk the walk. Well, you walk the walk and you certainly can talk the talk as a psychotherapist now, specialising in this area, helping others as well. I congratulate you. It's an honest, brilliant book and uh, it really is one I recommend highly because it will open many people's eyes to what's going on in this country still today and the vulnerable women who are being exploited. It's called... Annie Girl by Mia Doring. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Jerry, for, for talking to me.
Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's the brilliant Mia Doring there. Annie Girl, the name of the book. What a woman. That's all I'll say. What a woman. And we celebrated International Women's Day yesterday. There's another fantastic lady. Now we move on a late launch and it's time for one of our regular features. Yes, it's motoring. And my God is motoring in the news at the moment when you look at the rise in fuel prices at the pumps. And I'm delighted to say today we're joined by our show sponsors, Blackstone Motors, uh, Donal Waters and Noel Stewart and motoring man Tony Conlon are all with us. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Hi, Jerry. Thank you all for joining me. Tony, if I could start with yourself before we uh, get into it with the boys uh, about uh, their dealership and all that's going on there. Tony, uh, fuel and the cost of it. You wanted to start with this today. Yeah, I, I did actually, yeah, because I don't know about the lads, but I witnessed two two uh, fuel strikes as such and queues at the pumps and rows at petrol pumps and the greed factor that went where people queue for hours, maybe only to come down and get a half pint of petrol to top them up, and others mightn't have an egg full in, the, in their cars. So we wanted to try and avoid that, and we want to help people uh, with, with no panic. Which is it's all very common sense stuff, and we'll just run through it very quickly. Yeah, that's all right. Well, what you want to try and do is the fuel has gone up so much. You want to try and get back down there to the savings and don't have your wallet emptying or your purse emptying so quickly. So let's look and ask yourself these questions. Now, I promise if you ask yourself and put some of these in operation, you are going to save money. As Oliver said, it's common sense. When did you last check the tyre pressure in your cars? If you get the correct tyre pressure it's on the car, it's in the, it's in the glove compartment, in the book, check the tyre pressures and then you'll save money. If you've too soft the tyres, you're absolutely going to air fuel. Wait in the boot. Are you one of those that's going around with the wife's golf clubs and your own golf clubs <laughs> in, in the boot 24-7? If you are, get rid of them. Put them in the shed. Get rid of any extra weight in, out of the boot of the car. Give it a good spring clean, as the fellow says. Roof rack. If you're putting on a roof rack now to go on holidays in August, there's something wrong. Take the roof rack off. If you left it on since last July, take it off because it will absolutely eat fuel. Speed. If you cop onto your speed, if you go into eco mode, for example, if your car is eco mode, if you look at the dash, some cars will tell you when to change up and change down. In other words, get into the right gear as quickly as you possibly can. If you're looking at the rev counter, a car, look at the revs, below 2,000 revs per minute, uh, it, it shows that you're running more economically. If you're over 2,000, and most five-speed cars are, uh, you're going to be a little harder on fuel. So slow down speed. If you slow down, it will help save lives also, and it will definitely save money in your pocket. There's no doubt at all about that. So get up that little bit earlier. Plan your journey that little bit quicker uh, in advance. That you, you know where you're going, what you're doing. You don't have to be rushing at the last minute. As I said, into the correct gear. Keep an eye on the rev counter. A clean car is more economical, by the way. Definitely more economical uh, than, a, than a, I won't say what. Eco mode. A lot of cars have eco mode. You don't want sport mode now. <clears throat> if you want sport mode, you want a bit of fun, hire a car and go up to Mandela, up to Northern Ireland, up to the racetrack, <laughs> and do it. Aircon. Yes, a day like today, you need a bit of aircon to clear the windows. There's no doubt at all about it. But as soon as the windows are cleared of that, get it off as quick as you can because it's putting more, using more fuel on you. So that's, they're the important things, really, uh, about changing gear properly and slowing down. And that is the whole secret. And if you do that, if you do that, you're going to save it. They're talking about, what, 20 cents on, on petrol and 15 cents on diesel. You're going to save a lot more than that if you plan your journeys and if you slow down 
and they'll be look after your car and the weight factor, tyres and all of that for the last time. That's it. You've given us six great pointers there, Tony, and I failed on four of them. That's why I'm chuckling here to myself. So I'm a way to sort that out today. The golf clubs are there. I haven't checked the tyres. The car is not clean and I'm a devil for the aircon. So I'm onto this already. Great advice and I'm sure many people listening today will take on board what you say because there are savings to be had there. Before the boys join us, I just want to talk about black Stone and what a year they've had uh, the Opel Mocha uh, the Renault, uh, Renault Arcana and the Dacia Sandero all winning Tony in Car of the Year Yeah the Continental Irish Car of the Year awards the boys uh, pulled three off three three, three category winners there the Sandero as yourself the, the uh, Opel Mocha and the Arcana uh, and most deserved I must say most deserved. I got two of them right anyway I got five I think <laughs> seven right but I got two of them right I went for the Mocha and I went for the Sandero uh, good on you, Tony. Well, uh, Noel Stewart, first off, you must be very pleased. Uh, music to your ears and, and those awards. Uh, gratefully received, Noel. Yeah, Jerry. no, look, in fairness, um, particularly with the Arcana, we've seen it with, with Renault, the, the, the styling that they've, um, they're starting to produce with the, with the new models that are on the way. You know, it's, it's very, very impressive. I mean, like the, the, the Dacia range probably attracts, it doesn't really, you know, cross-populate over over uh, Renault or, or Opel, but, but really, Dacia, it's sort of finding its own little niche in the Irish market as well, so the Sandero winning that award was, was, was a real little coup for us. And now that we're, we're representing Opel as well over the northeast, it was nice now for, for the Mocha to, to, to win that accolade, because I think, really, Opel is it's, it's sleeping at the moment, and I think with the new with some of the new models they have on the way, it's really going to wake up and get back to where it was. Like years ago, it used to be the number one brand in Ireland when mm. um, O'Brien was, was uh, you know, was the CEO and, and Opel was the main sponsor of the Irish football team. So, so listen, it, it's it's all good news. I mean, like, I think we need a bit of good news. So, oh, indeed, know. and we do, Noel. But over, like, in a general sense, I know, and I'm going to come to Donal in a moment, yourself and Donal are real Renault men as well. But when you bring Opel into your stable, Dacia-related as well, and other marks too... You know, there's a sea change there, is there, from years ago, you know, that more of uh, the dealers are opening up to, to the different brands, Noel? Um, you see, Jerry, I think, to be brutally honest with you, it's, it's moving in a direction where you, you really have no choice as a business owner, as an mm. investor. Like, we, like we're, our company has grown, but, but to be brutally honest with you, if we're looking at how, how much we can grow in, in, in the areas we represent, I mean, like, we need to take on another brand or another couple of brands. So, I mean, like, as long, like, we, we don't we don't take away um, any of the efforts that we're putting in behind the Renault brand. Yes. Um, like, we, like, the whole open side of our business is a separate team, a separate investment. Yeah. But from our perspective, it's like, it's like, it's, it's no different than having a, a branding of clothing uh, and, you know, you, you would have a couple of brandings of clothes in your, in your shop. From our perspective, we just we're just trying to open up our platform, and we're a business, and we you know we're we're employing sixty people in the locality. We want to keep everybody and and you know keep everyone employed and keep yes. everyone you know happy in in their life. So you know just from our side, it's just it's just a natural progression, really. Yeah, yeah, too true, too true. Well said, Donald Waters. On an, on a related issue to Tony's opening with us, Donald, there about yeah. the savings on fuel. Can I talk to you about you know your uh, move? Uh, in terms of uh, the engines of cars from the traditional petrol yeah. and diesel into hybrid and on into full electric. And the Zoe really has been a huge hit, hasn't it, for Renault? 
Yeah, um, I was just going to interrupt Tony. Um, you know, there's massive savings when you look at, you know, uh, of what it actually costs you at your car. It's, it's between five and ten euros, uh, where your normal car you would have a, you know, would cost you 60, 70, and it's going up and up and up and up. But um, there is a change at the moment where manufacturers will not be producing diesel cars anymore. And uh, so there's going to be uh, a transition from petrol from diesel to petrol, petrol to mild hybrids, and then to fully electric. And now, I, I, I know electric doesn't suit most people, and people that would, let's say, commute to, uh, to Dublin or so with that, they're doing diesel mileage. And then, so I think when you're actually looking at a car, you need to see exactly what is your daily commute, what's your average mileage that you're going to be uh, uh, um, <laughs> traveling to. Like ending over 10,000, anything less than 10,000 would justify a petrol or a mild hybrid or an electric car. Anything circa 20,000 kilometers upwards, you know, it would justify diesel. But unfortunately, all the manufacturers and the manufacturers uh, out there, they will not be producing any more uh, diesel cars. And um, like with all the brands that we represent, I think, you know, um, if we, uh, with Opel, and, uh, uh, Renault and Dacia, that basically that um, that it's uh, the choice out there, and uh, we need to educate our customers and look at what their driving habits are. Mm. I think probably during lockdown, people you know people's cars didn't actually move out of the driveway, yes. and you, you, you know they weren't using their car and mileages, and they're probably not changed their cars um, uh, as often because they, they haven't got used to it. But I think if you look at the, um, it's exciting technology. It's changing rapidly all the time. And um, the people that you would think, you know, who wouldn't actually even consider electric are now, um, are, they're knocking on our doors and they want to go, they want to learn more about it. Even to the case where we now have, uh, we're going to be introducing what's called brand geniuses. These are non-selling people who basically will come in. Uh, it's an, you know, you won't get the hard sell, but if you're looking to get information on any of the uh, the, uh, um, the models or so that tread all the ranges, that this is a person who is highly educated, more, more than me, you know, at the college or so of that. And but they will be able to answer those questions that that you know, God, I have a question there, you know. What's the range? Where do I charge it if I don't have on-street parking and yes. stuff like that? You know. And and Donald, just to come back to you, yeah. just before I go back to uh, Noel and Tony, um, just to clarify what you said there: diesel not being manufactured, the move now into, as you say, petrol, then the the hybrid, and into the full electric. I saw on the sales yeah. figures last month issued for Ireland, sales were down slightly, but sales of electric up, and and you're confirming that as well. Do you see, yeah. uh, just in a few words, the the day arriving when we you will have a, a model and a vehicle and a battery capacity to do those? Uh, uh, long trips, the twenty thousand k plus you're talking about in a year. Yeah, see, um, the cars that are unfortunately COVID has hit, and the research and development, and uh, you know, has has taken us back a year or two. But there are cars now that will generate five to six hundred kilometers or so of that you know uh, on a full range. Uh, there's fast chargers, there's rapid chargers, and like in all fairness. Like I don't think it's humanly possible to actually do more mileage in a day uh, for, yes. for for the majority of people. Um, 
People upset about infrastructure, God, there's nowhere to charge these, to charge stations like that. But if you have that type of capability of charge on your car, and if you're at your home and you have a full charge and it takes, you know, six to seven hours, and so while you're sleeping, the car is charging, that basically, you know, like, I don't think you'll need any more. You know, there probably will come a time in 10 years' time, it's going to be a thousand kilometers as technology and this and that gets better but you know it's not too far away like we have the new megan coming out uh the uh, the, uh, the megan e beautiful looking car and th- this car will have that capability you know okay we were motoring on late lunch today with tony Conlon, donald waters and noel stewart from blackstone motors donald's gone on his way there and i know noel and tony you just couldn't hear um uh donald because we had him on a different platform altogether but look at tony i'll just uh, tell you noel can hear me as well donald was talking about you know uh the move to a and the migration telling us that you know diesel cars are not going to be made anymore that it'll be petrol hybrid and then into full electric and Tony I know you've had views on this in the past but Tony you have to say with the current crisis and the way of the world and uh, loosening our dependence on Russian oil this technology is going to move now even faster to the electric field Tony uh, and we need the range yeah, well, the range is, is definitely there with some of the marks. There's no doubt at all about it. And we've said it before on this station that if you cut your cloth to your, to your measure, basically, there's a small car with a small range would suit some people. They're just doing A to B around the town on a daily basis. There's no problem. And if you want to go and see the granny below and go over, but then you have another little problem. You have to go into a charge it on the way or whatever else, maybe. But the interesting thing is this year, the Kia EV6 uh, came number one. The, the Ionic 5 that's an electric car it was voted Irish car of the year continental Irish car of the year last year it was another electric car believe it or not it was a Kia again but electric has been winning but don't don't think I have to be honest here there's no doubt all about that's going forward I don't know what the the humps along the ground is going to be from here on in with everything that's going on in the world but don't think for one moment that that we're getting electricity for nothing. I I I done a little bit of research before this because I, yes. I reckon it was going to come up. And one of the lads I'm working with, his ESB bill is going up. You know, he pays on a monthly basis, not two monthly on a monthly basis. And doesn't matter anyway. But he he he's told me he's going up 100 percent in a year, just over a year. Yeah, 100 percent. So it's not going to be for nothing. If you had the solar panel on top of the roof and the sun was nice and bright. there's going to be technology introduced that will help, and that's definitely going to be way forward. Look. The dog in the street knows now we can't be reliant on Putin. There's no question at all about that. And that this is why we're paying for the prices. And this is why today we're trying to help people to tell your man straight, look, he's the cause of all the prices going up. There's people going to be left a lot, lot poor. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We're over this, and we're just here today, along with the lads, to try and help people, give them the tips of driving. They were the basic tips when I was going to school to learn mechanics that was taught to me. I looked them up again and went through them with common sense things. Drive smoothly, take your time. That's it, Jerry. Uh, Noel, back to you. And we uh, we hear what Tony has to say there. And you're uh, on the front line here. You're dealing with the punters coming in your back end as well as dealing with the suppliers of your cars too. We're hearing what is going to happen with diesel uh, being withdrawn and then you have petrol hybrid I- into electric. Look at Donald, the, the, uh, Noel, the basic fact is that, uh, you know, motoring is going to cost a little more going down the road or maybe much more. Absolutely, Jerry. I mean, like, even disregarding what's happening in Ukraine, I mean, like, it's 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 quite obvious that we're in a changing world. Mm. I mean, like, um, I mean, the understanding of cars and what what it has been in the past it's it's you know it's it's a complete sea change. You now, what's yeah. going to happen in the future? I mean, like, every manufacturer that 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 we would, every dealer that we that we would have toys with or, or connections with who represent different brands are all saying the same thing. Like, there's, there's the push for electric and the push for new technology, new drive technology. It's it's gathering massive pace at this stage now. I mean, like, uh, and I was just thinking when I was listening to Donald and yourself and Tony talking there, I mean, like, three years ago, the electric car that was launched three years ago, the technology advancement today versus that vehicle three years ago, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. Really, the, the the progress and the acceleration of progress that manufacturers are making in battery technology and powertrain technology is just it's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. Mm, and that's um, going to continue a pace now because there's more urgency with it. Noel, I want to talk to you about something before we finish up, and I don't want to forget it. I want to say to you boys, yourself and Donal and everyone in Blackstone and Cavan, Dundalk and Drogheda, um, you're great supporters of the local community across the board, but especially in sport. Your links, I think yeah. of, you know, Loud GAA, Drogheda Town Football Club, Drogheda United Football Club, and Dundalk in the League of Ireland. You're back with them. Yeah. So um, we're delighted to announce that we're, we're we're back as the as the mobility sponsors for for uh, Dundalk FC. So we've got Stevie O'Donnell, um, the manager, and Martin Connolly, the COO. They're both in, in new Renault Arcanas, and we have Noel, the, the kit man, who was absolutely smiling like a Cheshire cat last week when he picked up his brand new Renault Traffic for the kit fan. So. Yeah, look, we we you know we originally sponsored um, the team in Dundalk um, just before COVID. It, it, it kind of had run its course, um, but now with sort of the change in direction with the club, and, and you know, Mark came to see us recently along with Stevie, and, and we sat down and we, we said to ourselves, Do you know what, the time was right, really, to go back and revisit our relationship and and and, and try and sort of move it forward and advance it even further again. So we're delighted, absolutely delighted to um, to sign sign up with Dundalk. Um, we, we've signed up for, for two years I don't envisage it changing after two years because like our our our, our model is to support the localities the, the, the sporting um, 
the clubs and the localities. Yeah. You know, we're already the main mobility sponsor with Drogheda Town, with loud uh, ladies GAA and loud uh, men's GAA. Um, and, you know, we're just we're just delighted that, that we've got them dock. Um, yes, and Drogheda United, you better mention them. You support Drogheda United too. Oh, yeah, sorry, Drogheda United as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The two Drogheda... Don't two leave Drogheda. out one or the other will be shot. I, I keep on getting mixed up with two. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, two, the two clubs, we do the two clubs, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, you do, you yeah. do. And, and you're great to everybody and it's so important. Employing 60 people as well uh, across the North East is just a, a fantastic achievement, Van. And, and I remember when you, as I said, you guys started and you've built it brilliantly. Lads, I have to leave it there for today. Tony Conlon, thank you for joining me. Noel Stewart okay. and Donald Waters from Blackstone thank Motors. You. Thanks a million. Safe motoring to everybody. Thank Thanks a lot. Take care now. Bye-bye. Now, my next guest on Late Lunch today is a curator, researcher, artist and becoming much more well-known as an artisan food producer in recent times because of her business called Plenitude. I'm delighted to say hello to Neve McDonnell. Hello, Neve. Hello, Joey. How are you doing? Nice to, nice to be here. Nice to have you with us on the show. Plenitude, explain, please. What does that word mean? Well, um, it actually means um, plenty, you know, and kind of my idea with it really was that, um, uh, you know, we, we, there are, there's a plentiful, you know, um, there's a plentiful possibility of kind of resources that we have in our environment, you know, um, uh, maybe, you know, for, ma- for making food um, and for nourishment. Um, and uh, so we probably don't know what more there is there yet, you know. Um, so it's just this idea of, of, of the possibility of finding new um, forms of um, uh, food, nutrition and nourishment. And you have come to this recently or has it been something that you've been doing for quite some time? No, it's, it's something I've been doing for quite some time. I mean, I came across it about probably about sort of five years ago. Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, due to kind of, you know, seeking out sort of uh, maybe al- um, alternative um, uh, alternatives really in terms of, you know, having, to, let's say, digestive problems or kind of difficulties. And um, then I just discovered um, the whole world of fermented food, you know, um, and uh, in, in a way, kind of fermented food is is actually quite kind of closely aligned with uh, what I was just kind of describing there earlier on also, uh, which is kind of, you know, the idea of sort of foraging um, and uh, looking for kind of sources of food in, in, in the wild, where, where, where you can, of course. Um, and uh, so that's enjoying quite a kind of, you know, uh, a lot of popularity these days. So sort of fermented food would be something kind of along the same lines. Mm. And, and- and, and you're talking about something that has existed from time immemorial because you're preserving food, yes, with salt and plant-based ingredients as well. So it's very natural compared to all these e-numbers that are in most things that are preserved nowadays. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's a very ancient form of um, food preservation. Now, there are two, you know, a number of different kinds and uh, one sort of kind like, a, you know, a salted fermented um, uh, cabbage would come from uh, Korea and the other would, would, would mainly come from uh, or through rather um, uh, sort of Eastern Europe and Germany. Um, so, yeah, it is an ancient form of uh, food preservation, um, which which really, as you say, like is, is uh, you know, working with cabbage and, and with salt. Um, and uh, it largely, you know, came out of early agricultural um, societies where you would have like an abundance of certain vegetables at a time of the year. And, 
uh, in in maybe maybe climates more extreme than ours, you know, and uh, so it was kind of born out of um, using uh, the the abundance of the vegetables and and preserving it, you know, through following seasons, you know, that could be kind of shared out among the community. Mm. Um, so it has also kind of grown out of um, certain um, uh, sort of you know social cooperative forms of of, of agricultural production uh, and consumption. You know, uh, you have kind of ideas about, or you have actually the kind of whole CSA movement these days, community supported agriculture, which would be picking up on that also. Yes. So when you mention the Far East in Germany, you're talking about kimchi in in, in the Korean context, sauerkraut in a German uh, angle. And and, and for you, in in what you do um, in uh, Plenitude Fermented Food, what, what do you ferment and how do you go about it? Well, so I actually decided, uh, Jerry, when I was um, uh, starting uh, to to produce um, a sauerkraut uh, rather than the kind of kimchi, because I was sort of interested in going in the direction of um, um, using, you know, what could be grown, um, you know, more locally, or, yeah. you know, in, in, in Ireland. And I wanted to go organic as well. And there were kind of reasons for that also, because um, really what you what you're working with is a good bacteria um on the on the the, the 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 plant the cabbage and then there needs to be good bacteria in the soil as well so mm. you know you need to have sort of if you can like pesticide free um, yes. you know farming uh, to, to maximize that to optimize that, uh, the, the, the good bacteria and uh, because then actually the process uh, involves um uh, culturing an environment for those good bacteria to be activated and the salt simply does that when you when you add the salt work it in with the chopped cabbage whether you're use, you're making a kimchi or you're making a sauerkraut, what starts to happen is the bacteria are activated, and uh, when you then um, uh, compress that into uh, an anaerobic environment, you know, into a jar or a vessel with as much oxygen, you know, uh, removed as possible, sealed tight uh, with other ingredients, you'll have bacteria activated and um, away from the oxygen and. Uh, what that'll happen? What will happen there is you'll have you'll have lactobacillus bacteria. Sorry, we're getting technical here, uh, but uh, you'll have lactos, lactobacillus bacteria, you know, um, uh, 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 coming through, um, and uh, they will stop the pathogenic bacteria coming on uh, after a number of days, um, and then uh, they will also bring in other good strains of bacteria. So the longer you ferment it in this vessel, the more good strains of bacteria you have in there. And mm. essentially what you're doing when you're eating it um, is you're bringing those um, li- live culture, good bacteria into your gut. Yep. And we have good and bad bacteria in there, no matter what, whether we pay attention to it or not, we actually have good and bad bacteria in our gut. And um, when you start to pay attention to it, you're kind of proactively affecting the balance of good and bad bacteria in there. And there's a lot of really interesting research going on these days um, that I'm sure you're kind of you know aware of that uh, is, is really kind of saying, well, this affects your whole immune system. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then there's this whole kind of phrase as well about the kind of gut brain axis, you know, that it even kind of comes down to affecting your neurological activity as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's fascinating um, area. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, Jerry, it should be tasty as well, you know, because I'm, I'm interested in, you know, making uh, fermented foods that, you know, that you want to eat as well, that you're yes. not just eating them because they are good for me yes. you know, and, they should, and, and they should taste nasty because, of, <laughs> you know, um, so it should taste nice. And, you know, that's that's the idea. But it's very much like, a, you know, it's a vinegar flavored cabbage. And what I say is uh, to people is that it's, it really depends what you combine it with. 
uh, you can have it like as a vinaigrette in a kind of crunchy hard form, you know, and mm. you can sprinkle it on salads, for example. That's a very simple, basic way to begin with it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that it's it's very much what, you know, the other foods you have it with that complement it. And uh, there are lots of different kinds of recipes, what the Germans will do with that and what the Koreans will do with that. So, mm. and, and, and that's... It's, a- it's, 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 it's meeting kind of, you know, new kind of cuisine as well, yes. you know, and health food now these days. So there's lots of interesting things to do. Yes, you know. yeah. But, I, I, and I, I have to say to you, that is a very important point to make there, tasty and that it is tasty and, and yeah. enjoyable. So, you know, you're talking about organic local foods as the basis for what you work with. When you mentioned there that you uh, do the cabbage and the salt and that, do you do that in a large scale container and seal it and then transfer it to jars or does it go to the jars and it does its business in the jar? Well, yes. Um, you know, um, what I've found, is, you know, that it, it lends itself very much to small batch productions. Okay. Even though I'll be making it on a scale where I'm selling it, you know, mm. um, um, I still have discovered that actually a certain small scale uh, batch production is the best to preserve the quality. Now, there are other producers out there who upscale that. But um, uh, so to make it manageable, because it's a very hands-on technique as well, you know, um, where you're, you're you're chopping the cabbage and then you're working that with your hands, mm. um, it, 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 it really kind of, it makes most ergonomic and econo- well, economical sort of sense to do it in a relatively small scale, you know, a, a, a multiples, and then actually yeah, to have large scale um, crock pots that I have yes. you know, to put them into. But you can, I mean, and I am doing workshops where people actually use smaller kilner jars of mm. a litre, you know, uh, yes. yeah, a litre probably is a good sort of size. And um, so it's very customizable to your, you know, to your own way and your own scale of doing it. And then the beauty of it is that you can experiment with adding your own flavours, your own seeds and your own um, spices and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's customizable for your own diet and for your own tastes. And, you know, I'm familiar, of course, we've talked about it here quite a bit with people and it has come to the fore, that gut-brain axis and how your gut uh, is so important to your overall good health. I produce my own kefir or kefir, if you like to call oh, it. And lovely. I take it each day and I, I, I find it very good, I have to be honest with you. And what you're yeah. doing is in that same space as well. I just wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned you were teaching this, you are selling as well. That's uh, an important aspect of of your business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where's the best place to find out more about you, the classes and where we can, you know, get hold of this wonderful product? Sure. Um, so I am um, doing a number of different sort of market stalls. Um, and um, so I am at Rock Farm um, on Thursdays. Well, I'm there every, the Rock Farm market itself yes. is on every every Thursday and I'm there every second Thursday um, and um, I, I also uh, you know um, pop up at the cottage market in, in, in Drogheda in St. Peter's Hall once a month um, yeah yeah um, and um, so I have also been doing Sheridan's um, in uh, outside Kells mm. on Saturdays um, and uh, so and then also from there I'm, you know, advertising, doing kind of workshops in different venues. Um, I was uh, also for a while doing Trim um, Farmer's Market, which is a lovely little one also. Mm. Um, uh, So they'd be the kind of main ones I'm doing at the moment. And uh, the workshops themselves would be taking place at different kind of venues, like I said. Um, Some of them, you know, upcoming um, will be at um, Rock Farm in Slane, possibly down the line um, in the Cottage Market as well. 
Um, and uh, so I've also been kind of working with um, uh, schools as well, and yeah. um, you know, offering uh, doing workshops in mm. the transi- transition year students yeah. uh, in home economics because that's a really you know the home economics uh, you know class is is a really sort of interesting um, where you know with with the students I can go into different sort of subject areas in relation to it you know yeah. not not just food science but kind of cultural geography you know um, a little bit of kind of chemistry in there biology you know. Um, so it can, you know, it's quite interesting. It'll intersect all those, you know. Yeah, it's um, a good way to get into the uh, younger folk and and teach them about it because this is huge. I know this in yeah. the East Kimchi Korean that they love it, yes. they live by it, and they swear by it when it yes. comes to good health. And it is a totally natural way uh, of doing things. Look, I just wanted to highlight what you do and you today on the show and wish you well with the markets and the yeah. teaching as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just to tell people plenitude fermented food you can find out that's all right the and there's another there's another thank you Jay, and there's another market i'd really like to also say that i was i'm involved in and will be also in the future um it's another cottage market and um it's in cavan uh, run by imelda mullen that's a fantastic one also so yeah. just kind of um you know and, and and they would they will also kind of run um various workshops yes keep keep an eye out for yeah. these rock farm yeah. drop yeah. cottage market sheridan's trim and cavan coming to a yes. town near you soon with our plenitude fermented That's food. Right. Neve, thank you so yeah. much for joining me on the show. And thank you too, Jerry. Thanks for And all. good luck with your kefir. That sounds great. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> indeed. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, the kefir is a great job. There's no doubt about it. Something for your gut. Kiefer, you can't beat it. But this stuff that this lady does is fantastic. I've been following it for a number of years in the kimchi in Korea and, of course, sauerkraut near to home in Germany as well. But the uh, nurturing, healthy uh, aspect of this is something else. Prebiotic and probiotic potency all in there. Late lunch, LMFM radios. Jerry, that woman speaking about the sex work really changed my mindset. You make judgments without realising it. She opened my eyes to a lot of unconscious bias I didn't even know I had. Fair play to her. That was very brave and a very honest account. It was indeed me adoring. Uh, the book is called Annie Girl. Thank you for that comment. Somebody else there saying uh, it was a difficult story to listen to and uh, Another listener says to us, God almighty, it didn't really make sense. She walked into that trouble, really. Well, look, you're at an age and you get involved in something. Uh, And there are other people telling us where sex workers are operating out of in the northeast as well. They've even provided us with addresses here. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Louise, the hostess with the most S you are, indeed, for the last number of days, haven't you been? (laughs) That's a hell of a link from what you were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No relationship whatever. I'm talking about partying. Party girl. Yeah, loads of parties in our house in March. We have the first and we have, which was Cormac, Cormac. six. And today we have Katrina, who turns 11. Katrina Ferritor is 11 today and her mammy, happy birthday, she's a great girl. And she was in here, like, she had to come in for a few <laughs> minutes last week and because she was upstairs and she filled in me running order for the next week for me. So she no bother to her at all. Anyway, you were showing yeah, me, Louise stopped. was showing me a picture of her when, what age was she there too, was she's it? About two or three, yeah. Louise, 11 today. I know. Doesn't Isn't it scary how the years go by? Temp- really scary. Tempest Fugit.
It really does. Mm. Time flies by and children are the real uh, measure of time moving along yeah. quickly. Your children, you know what I mean? When, when you look at she them. She hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> She's great. I'll tell you one thing. She takes handling, I'm sure. <laughs> she does take handling, yeah. But she's a confident young she's woman. She's fantastic. So she's fantastic. I love her to bits because she's so honest. So, you know, she says it as it is. Mm-hmm. And she's so she's pleasant confident. and nice. And I know she uh, made lovely buns, didn't she, for her brother's birthday? She did. Last week yeah. she did. Anyway, is she doing anything special herself? Is there anything going on? Any friends Not today. coming? Not Friends made Saturday. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. Well, Katrina, happy birthday from your mammy, your yeah. daddy, your brothers, and from all of us here in LMFM Radio as well. Have a great day. Enjoy yourself. Um, does she like anyone in particular when it well, comes to music? Well, she loves all the latest chart hits, but I am going to dedicate Katy Perry because when she was two, she was in the back of my Yaris hollering this song and she came in like a tiger and she has got the eye of a tiger and lo uh, behold anyone to try, try and say different I think she was hollering for a different reason with her mother behind the steering wheel but that's for another day's conversation la 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 la, la. anyway Katrina Ferrador happy birthday here's Katy Perry just for you Now, my soundtrack this week comes from the movie Dirty Dancing, which indeed is now a stage show as well. Anyway, about the original movie, filming began and was rapid. It took only 43 days in September, October 1986 to shoot the movie. Maybe it was something to do, and this is interesting, with the soaring Carolina heat at the time, which averaged, listen to this, 40 degrees centigrade throughout. I couldn't operate in it, to be honest with you. Indeed, the cast and crew struggled with the high temperatures as several of them required on-the-spot and hospital care for dehydration, sunstroke and heat-related ailments. It played havoc uh, with them. The two stars, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, I didn't know this, they didn't get on. They clashed uh, continuously and it took the director and producer to bring them together and knock their heads together and then the chemistry between them blossomed to underpin the essence of Dirty Dancing. It was a small budget movie. It only cost $5 million to make when the average cost of a movie in the 80s was about $12 million. But what a return for the makers. It was released and within 10 days... It had taken in 10 million at the US box offices alone. And uh, by mid 1987, worldwide, paying punters for seats topped $170 million. Incredible, isn't it? Anyway, today I return to the soundtrack and this classic from 1961. Bruce Chanel, 
Number one in the USA for three weeks in 1961 from the movie Dirty Dancing, another big hit from the soundtrack. And I'll bring you another one tomorrow, Thursday, and more about the movie and the stage show. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. It's Engineers Week all week this week, and we're talking each day to a representative from Irish Water. And up next on the show, Matt Thompson is joining me. Water leakage, loss of water, it's a huge problem problem right around the country and it's this man's responsibility and he's joining me next. Yes, we're talking to representatives from Irish Water all week at this time on Late Lunch to coincide with Engineers Week 2022 and today the uh, subject matter is really interesting uh, because it's about sustainability, leakage and conservation of our drinking water and the regional lead is uh, Matt Thompson and he's with me on the line. Hello Matt. Hello, Jerry. Great to be in your show, and hello to all your listeners. And thank you, indeed, for being with us today. What a massive, complicated, interconnected underground system this is. 63,000 kilometres of pipes, 2 million joints, thousands of valves and pumps, and 1.25 million water metres. God, it has to give here and there. How much, on average, water are we losing through leakage each day, Matt? Look, Jerry, in 2018, the rate of leakage was around 46% of all the water we produce in Ireland. And at the end of 2021, we had brought that down to 38%. So um, we're on track to, to achieve a national leakage rate of 32% in, in 2024. Um, so we've made great progress. You have. What's the ultimate aim? What is an acceptable level, level of leakage? Well, you know, we can only compare ourselves to our European colleagues. Um, Jerry, and, you know, countries like the UK and Western European countries are, you know, around the 20, 25%. So that's what we're aiming for in the mm. long run. But we've got a very, very old network, as you said. We make great strides. So it's going to t- take quite some time to bring it down to those levels. And it is purely down to that, an antiquated network that's lacked investment over a sustained period of time. That's correct. Yeah, for years and years, the, the, the network was neglected. Now, our local authorities have done the best they can over the years, the Water Service Department. But it's really been patching what's an old system, repairing. As I said, they've done a great job, but it really needed an overall. It needed modern technology, the find and fix methods we use now, and a lot of and, and the water main replacement. So we've really progressed on in the last few years um, to help to help with the progression. And, and you know, you're talking to a captive audience here today in the North East because we remember only a few years back uh, when the Celine uh, problem occurred and people were queuing with buckets and there was rationing here for quite some time. So it brings it all home. No, absolutely. Absolutely, Jerry. And, um, you know, we can all make an effort to conserve water. Obviously, Irish Water and I work for the leakage reduction programme. We're hitting it from with the regional contract and the local authorities to repair mains. But... You know, all, all small measures can have a big um, impact. You know, saving at home, six litres of water a minute can be saved by turning off the tap with brushing teeth, these type of things. So we can all make a contribution, and that saline type thing just, as you said, brings it to mind how important uh, a resource water is. So just to build on that, we all can play our part. And, you know, yesterday we were talking about what not to flush down the toilet with another of your colleagues, and that was eye-opening indeed. But what you were saying is, you know, that, that's one thing I noticed, I, I'll say from home. Uh, you know when you brush your teeth, people uh, put the toothpaste on the brush, then give it a little water under the tap, and some people leave the bloody taps running. That 
it's a pain, isn't it? And, and it's costing us. Oh, it is. I mean, you put the whole population of Ireland together doing that, Jerry, and that's just an ongoing habit. It's totally unnecessary. Small things like that, for example, showering uses half the amount of water as a bath. Mm. Keeping a jug of water in the fridge instead of running the cold tap can save up to 10 litres of water. Um, there's actually loads of helpful tips for your listeners um, on, on Twitter at Irish Water and on our Facebook page, forward slash Irish Water, if they're interested in finding out more. Why is it important to conserve? Because look, at you look outside today and most of the country, well, the warning of flooding in places, it's happening here where I live as well and the rain is incessant. We've had a very uh, wet spell as well quite recently. And people would say, look, at Ireland is a country awash with water. What do you say to that? Yeah, well, absolutely, Jerry. And uh, that, that is, a, I mean, that is, a, you know, when you look outside, we all, it seems, with, as you said, water coming from the sky, but... Now, traditionally, in the population of Ireland, there weren't big reservoirs and creeping plants built, but as obviously the population's exploded and the water usage has increased, those reservoirs and creeping plants are obviously under severe, severe strain. So it costs a lot of money to treat water. Um, we often think the water falling from the sky and into the runoff and catching system goes into the taps, but obviously there's an expensive treatment, treatment process um, and to get that water to the taps through the networks. So it all saves money and natural resource. Yes, because there is work to be done. It's just not that simple, as you say. It falls out of the sky and you can drink it. You can't do that. What about the whole area? Like, we're a land blessed with rivers and lakes as well. Is there a case, because we look across the water in Britain, they've built a substantial number of reservoirs. And I see recently they're actually now going to build in Britain even more reservoirs to store water, because that is a point here. We're bad at storing. We get lots of it at certain times of the year, and then we have a few dry days and there's a hose pipe ban. Are there any plans to look at that whole area of storage? Absolutely, I mean, Jerry, there's longer-term plans and much bigger schemes um, that Irish Water, along with our stakeholders and consultants are looking at um, to increase storage, to better storage, to bring water from different parts of the country, much bigger schemes. But in the meantime, you know, this leakage and driving this leakage down is hugely effective. It's something we, we're concentrating, me particularly in my job, and as, as we just pointed out earlier, the, you know, members of the public and your listeners can contribute to this. There's a huge saving to be had, to be had there. So there are longer-term plans, and on the Irish Water website, a lot of those projects are up there for people to look at longer-term projects, um, but immediately driving this leakage down is a huge focus for us. And, of course, your responsibility uh, like, uh, is in this whole area and uh, you're more aware than most of what's going on. But back to the leakage again and you know, what you've achieved so far and what you intend to achieve. So these ongoing remedial replacement schemes are, 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 are uh, happening every day as we speak. This is relentless. No, absolutely. And um, as you pointed out, Jerry, I'm the regional lead um, and, and two of my areas are, are Laos, County Laos and, and County Meath. Um, you know, currently, and uh, some of your listeners from these areas, you know, in Talonstown in Laos and in Sleevebar in RD, we've got large schemes. Talonstown one is a, a kilometre and a half of old cast iron mains replacing along the R171. Um, in Sleevebar, we were moving backyard services and replacing 600 metres of main. And then recently, you'll listen to notice we've worked across in Mead, we've done works in Echo Road in Dundalk, the Ballivore to Kildorky Reservoir in County Mead, and we're working in Stamullen um, and Dunshock at the moment as well. So all the time, 
We're working in various areas where, you know, we prioritize where the worst um, pipes and assets are and we attack those. Yeah, and when you see what has been achieved, just to put it in context, uh, you know, in 2021, saving 166 million litres of drinking water, uh, enough to fill 66 Olympic-sized swimming pools every day. Like, that really does give you the picture, doesn't it? It, it does indeed, yeah, and I'm sure we can, we can really picture that. It's a, a huge waste of water, which is treated with just flowing out into the ground onto the street. So that really does, um, you know... And I mean, as you said, we're on track to save a further 90 million litres of water by the end of 2024. That's enough to fill another 36 Olympic-sized swimming pools. So there really is an incentive mm. here to drive on. Yeah, no, listen, uh, we understand uh, uh, what you're doing and uh, this takes time. It's it's not a, an overnight process. Uh, there's legacy issues to be dealt with. But the message today to everybody, it is important to conserve and we can all help in the conservation. Do one thing for me, folks, today before Matt goes. When you're brushing your teeth, turn off the bloody tap. Just wet the brush and stop that immediately. If we all did that, it makes such a difference. But there's more on the Irish Water website, Facebook page and Twitter. You can find out more there. Matt, wish you well. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take care. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Matt Thompson there, the Leakage Reduction Programme Regional Lead covering this area here in the North East. It's a precious resource. It really is. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, David Hegarty's back with us. A lot of people feeling stress and worry at this time with the pandemic over and now this conflict in Europe. Uh, David advising us tomorrow on the show. Jennifer Drum has a lovely story to tell us. Ken Whelan is here on the fisheries front and I'll have another guest from Irish Water to uh, mark Engineers Week on late lunch. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive on LMFM radio. Have a lovely evening. Do come back to us Thursday, 1.30 for late lunch. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sendero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.